0: While there are some incentives to put some of that money away for tax purposes, I don't think you should just rely on your super as your freedom fund. If you want to build wealth, you have to get to the stage, and this is a Kiyosaki quote, where your money is going to work for you, and that money is actually going out there like a little worker bee and generating more money for you. And if you don't put money aside for wealth creation, you're not going to have that.
1: Like There are certain things that you can do differently as a business owner, that if you're an employee, and you're listening to this, follow the jar system exactly. But if you're a business owner, you can play with some of these percentages. You can play with whether the business is actually providing for some of these 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 jars, as we call them. But it's really important that you do give yourself a regular amount and you're putting it away into certain buckets.
0: G'day, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Entrepreneurs Rising. In this show, we cover everything for small business owners wanting to grow their businesses and grow themselves as well. And I'm joined by my co host, Carl Taylor. How are you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. It's so great to be here. Awesome. So Carl, in this episode, we're gonna be talking about budgeting advice. And this is budgeting advice that I read in an article. And to be honest, I read the article and it made me mad. <laughs> yes. I, uh, I got really, really angry because I was just not happy with this advice at all. We've talked about wealth, wealth creation, wealth building, using business as a vehicle for wealth. And I like to think we've got a pretty good grasp on managing the flows of our income and our cash and using that to build wealth. And I read this article and it did not seem to have anything that would contribute to building wealth, it certainly helped to manage money. It was a system for managing money, but there was actually zero allocated to wealth building. And I just, I just got so angry that it was actually published by someone in a leadership position, a US Senator who put it in their book and, uh, and then was being distributed by news articles all over the world.
1: Yeah. And you, you sent me this this article. You, you sent it to me. You were like, dude, oh my God. I can't remember the exact words you used, but it was effectively along the lines of this makes me so freaking mad. This is just gonna keep people poor. And I loved the enthusiasm. So of course I had to go quickly and read read the article. And I agree with you. The, the article and was just like, you know, the headline was like, What is Elizabeth Warren's budget hack and why does it work? So it's like, oh, that sounds cool. It's a budget hack. Sounds nice and clickbaity and sexy and started reading through it. And I was like, really? That's it? I mean, it's nice and simple, but I agree with you. Like, Every element in it will help you manage your money, but it will keep you poor. It's not going to build any wealth. It's just going to help you manage the money you're already making, which is a great first step. It totally is a great first step. But there are so many better systems out there. There's a system that both you and I follow, Known as the JARS system, which I think would be really valuable to kind of share on this episode with people. And I don't know about you, Pete, but like I, I remember I read my very first ever, I think it was wealth building financial advice book when I was 14, I think it was. And it was How to Turn $1 into a Million Dollars in Seven Years or Less. It was written by Roy McDonald. It's actually the first kind of ever personal development wealthy type book I ever read. Uh, I still remember it because it was the first book I ever read and uh, there was a lot of great advice in there that I never implemented. <laughs> but um, over those that journey since 14 years old, uh, I've spent a lot of time, as I know you have, really obsessed with learning how do you build wealth, how do you manage money, what is smart financial decision-making. So, What about you? Have you read any uh, great financial ad- advice books early on or is it more new for you to manage your money uh, smarter?
0: Well, the first book that I read on wealth building, and I guess this more got me excited about business rather than building wealth, uh, but it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad uh, by Kiyosaki, you know, the the so seminal <laughs> book on uh, on wealth building. And uh, I, what I really loved that was, about that was it helped me understand that selling my time was a trap and that building uh, wealth was about, for me, it was about building freedom and I think building income was about building freedom as well, uh, because that gave me time freedom, it allowed me to buy time freedom, and then also have the flexibility. Uh, So that was the first book that I read. And there wasn't really much advice in there on how to manage your day-to-day budget and your day-to-day finances. I don't think I really became skilled at that until probably a couple of years ago. I would say most of my early 20s, as I was building my business, my focus was just on optimizing my income and increasing my income as much as possible. So I'd build a business, get a little bit more income, build a business, get a little bit more income. And I wasn't necessarily like keeping up with the Joneses or, you know, expanding my personal expenses uh, ridiculously as I was growing. But I did find that, you know, up until about the point where I was earning six figures, I would continually kind of like, you know, improve my lifestyle a bit as I, as I continued to improve the income. But then it kind of reached a point where I kind of ticked all the boxes on the lifestyle. Like, you know, you can only eat out for dinner seven nights a week and that's not that healthy for you anyway. And so eventually I got to a point where I realized, okay, cool. Well, now I've got more than I need for the basics to be covered. I'm not getting any happier earning more income. So that's the point where I started researching different systems in different ways of optimizing for wealth generation and that was a whole nother journey i was joining mm-hmm. reddit communities i was reading more books uh, you shared with me a, a really great framework for managing day to day money which i still use today which is the jars system and i uh yeah i've, I've gotten a lot better at that especially in the last five years I've, I've really been able to tweak and optimize and i'm
1: feeling quite competent at that now that's amazing and, and so i think it's worth you know uh, before we get into to the jars system, which I, 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 you know, I'm going to presuppose a little here that I think we both agree is the is a far superior way of managing money. But let's loop back to the article that really triggered this whole conversation, you know, this 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 great budgeting hack that was shared. So, do you want to share what that that was? Um, or I've got a, I've got the article in front of me, so I'm happy to share a bit of how it was introduced. But uh, ultimately you're the one that got so angry by this article. So share with us, what is this great budget that we both agree is going to keep you poor? It'll help you manage your money, but it's not going to help you build wealth.
0: Yeah, totally. So the article talks about something called the 50-30-20 rule. And the 50-30-20 rule is uh, their way of how you manage your income that flows in. Now, whether you're a business owner or an employee, you're going to be earning a salary or a distribution of some sort, and that makes up your income. I've always believed being a business owner myself, even though I have control over how much income I make and when I draw money from the business, I've always actually paid myself a set salary uh, and just incrementally increased that. Uh, but I've always had a set salary and I've, I've liked the rhythm of having a set amount of cash that flows from the business to my then personal accounts. So I apply the same kind of thinking that someone who's just on a regular salary would to the way that they manage the money. So this article talks about 50, 30, 20, which is, okay, well, once the money hits your personal account, uh, 50% goes to your needs. So it's, it's saying essential needs. So that would be uh, rent, utilities, food, transport, insurance. Uh, you know, obviously, if you're a business owner, some of these things can go through the business, uh, but, you know, for a normal person, this is all the kind of day-to-day stuff, Right. Um, and that would probably include a mortgage. If you've got, um, you know, property that you own, childcare, schooling, that kind of stuff, that's 50%. Uh, then there's the 30% and the 30% is according to the article for the wants in your life. So that's things like, uh, yoga classes, subscription to Netflix, travel, new clothes, entertainment, having meals out, those kind of things, right? So they're the things that you want. So the 20% is, and this is important, saving for big goals. Now it says, and it also says here, all paying off existing debt, which is a good idea, and I think that's good. But after saving for big goals, it goes on to say that you might be saving for a big purchase, uh, making additional contributions to your super, like maybe through salary sacrifice, um, a wedding, You know, uh, using this to, you know, like maybe uh, pay down on on debts, you know, by consolidating your debts, but basically like saving up for things that are effectively still wants. Over time, yeah, it might take time to save up for them, but these things are still actually wants. Now, as it stands, that sounds okay, right? That sounds okay. Well, you know, I've got like the things that are absolutely essential taken care of for me. Um, I've then got the things that I want, like maybe like a, you know, new bike or some travel or something like that. Um, And then finally, you've got like the big goals. But the problem that I have with this is nothing has been allocated to long term investing. Nothing has been allocated to what in the JAR system, they call the freedom fund, which is the cash that I'm putting away, which I will use for retirement. Now, you may argue that the superannuation is, is retirement money. And well, yes and no, that's money that you can use for investing. But it's money that you don't actually have full control over. And so, while there are some incentives to put some of that money away for tax purposes, I don't think you should just rely on your super as your freedom fund because that's that's kind of like low and middle-class wealth thinking <laughs> uh, to just use your retirement fund because we've seen in the GFC, a lot of people had their funds halved. And my partner at the time, her dad, who was a lawyer and had been working for 45 years, actually had his super have, and it extended the time that he had to work by about five or 10 years to be able to retire comfortably. So I really don't like this system because it, number one, I think it allocates way, way, way too much to the wants. Um, And I want to talk a little bit more about that when we talk about the jars system, Uh, but also the complete lack of money that you're putting away that you never touch. Money that goes to work for you rather than money that you are going to eventually spend. Because what people who, and I'll say this, stay poor, and what I mean by that is they don't build wealth, what they do is they save up money, but then they blow that savings. And what it does is it removes the chance for your money to ever work for you. If you wanna build wealth, you have to get to the stage, and this is a Kiyosaki quote, where your money is going to work for you, and that money is actually going out there, like a little worker bee, and generating more money for you. And if you don't put money aside for wealth creation, uh, then you're not you're not going to have that.
1: Yeah, it, it reminds me of you know it is a Kiyosaki quote, right? Like it's the, the the I think he says the poor work for their money, whereas the rich the money works for them. And I think that's a really important thing. There's a few things that you touched on. That I think it's really worth kind of highlighting uh, that stood out to me. That if you, the listener, didn't quite catch it, I really want to um, stress on based on what I've seen with entrepreneurs out there, you know. There's a You mentioned something, Pete, that you pay yourself a set salary. i do the same. I have for probably at least 15 years, I'd yeah. say. And, and even like, when I'd it was do like myself... 400 bucks a week, I paid myself a salary. Totally. <laughs> well, I, I was doing it when it was like 200 bucks a week, you know, and that's it. It was a weekly, for me, the rhythm that's always worked well was a weekly salary, just consistently. Here's income that's hitting my bank account every week. Uh, and I think that's a really important thing that if you and your business right now are not doing that, start doing it. And yes, that means that you might need to also pay. That means if it's a proper salary, like talk to your accountant as the best way to take the money out, but I do it as an employee. I'm an employee of my company. And that means I pay myself super. Uh, The number of entrepreneurs I've met who don't pay themselves a set salary and don't pay themselves super. And then they're also not doing something like the JARS system to ensure they're building money. And I seriously worry for those people because, eventually they might hit their a certain point in retirement and they've got no superannuation. That's a, for, for uh, the people who are not Australian um, listening to us right now, superannuation is the Australian system, very similar to a uh, 401k in America. It's like a, a, a kind of a, a government um, law imposed forced saving investment scheme. Uh, and so it's, it's what we have in Australia. And so if you're not currently paying yourself super, that's a really important thing to consider that, uh, pay yourself a salary and pay yourself super. doesn't have to be a huge salary. Talk to your accountant about the best way to manage it for you and your circumstances. But I think it is an important component here because once you're paying yourself a regular amount, then you can apply these budgeting principles just like any normal salaried employee would. And the benefit to you as a business owner is when I take you through the jars system, which I've been following now for whoo, 10 years, I'd say at least like there are certain things that you can do differently as a business owner, that if you're an employee and you're listening to this follow the jar system exactly. But if you're a business owner, you can play with some of these percentages. You can play with whether the business is actually providing for some of these, these, these jars as we call them, but it's really important that you do give yourself a regular amount and you're putting it away into certain buckets or jars. Uh, in Australia, a lot of people have gotten really excited about Barefoot Investor. If you've followed any of that, this jar system is going to be similar. Uh, it's, it's, I, I personally think the jar system is superior uh, than the Barefoot system, but it is a similar kind of system.
0: I like how the Barefoot Investor system prioritizes which debts to pay down first and which areas to take care of as you're building your wealth. Uh, I think day to day, I agree. The JARS system is superior in how your cash actually flows. Uh, But what I liked about Barefoot is a little bit like there's a radio host in the US who's all about like, you know, getting rid of your debt and getting that paid down. His name escapes me for the moment. Um, But uh, the Barefoot system is Is really about Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey. That's the one. And the Barefoot is really about getting the right priority debt paid down first. And then building wealth in the right areas, like first max super, and then building wealth with property and, and other bits and pieces. But, um, Carl, let's throw back to you. What are some of the other things that you like about the JAR system? And, and even before we jump into it, I think like the biggest problem with this, this 50, 30, 20 rule is you're actually spending 80% on things that you want or quote, need. You're spending 80% of your income just going out the door every month. And I just think that's absolutely crazy. The remaining 20%, if you put that away and you invested all of that remaining 20%, you'd be absolutely fine. But you're saving up the remaining 20% for the wedding or blowing it on things. I'm just like, I'm just absolutely dumbfounded that this is advice that's being shared publicly.
1: It's, it, the thing is that, yeah, 100% of the money ends up being spent. And it was something that you, you, you mentioned that I, it made me think about when I first learned the jar system, when they talked about the financial, Financial Freedom Fund. It was, think of it as the golden goose. You're building, you're feeding this golden goose that lays the golden eggs. And the really important rule, the really, really important rule is if you had a goose that laid golden eggs, would you ever kill that goose? No, you spend the eggs, you use the eggs, but you never kill the goose that's laying the golden eggs. And when you go and just spend all your money you effectively keep killing the golden goose. You never even start feeding the golden goose to allow it to lay any eggs. I mean, sure, you might get a little bit of interest, tiniest, ridiculous amount of interest, which who knows in the next few years we might be seeing negative interest. So it's going to cost you money to have your money in the bank. Who knows what's going to happen there. But like the, the key principle here is you're putting your money in a way to work for you. You're building this golden goose who lays the eggs. What you choose to do with those eggs, that's up to you. I've got my preferences of how I do it and my recommendations. But what you do with that uh, egg money, you can spend all of that if you choose, but you never kill the golden goose. That's the key principle behind the financial freedom account. So, let me give you a little bit of context about how I first discovered this and why it had such a profound impact on my life. And I know Pete's, uh, I since shared it with Pete, and Pete's implemented it. And I don't know the exact way he rolls it out, but I'd say it was around 10 years ago. So I'd sold my IT company in 2011. And for a number of years, I was effectively just living off the money from that business sale. Now, it wasn't huge amounts of money, like it wasn't millions of dollars or anything like that, but it was enough that I was comfortable to live on while I was trying to build and come up with a new business. And I did a bunch of different things through those years. You know, I was a coach, I ran events, I did all these different things. I was trying to refine myself. Throughout that whole time, I was just constantly spending the money that was sitting there from the sale of the business. Eventually, I got to a point where there was five grand left in the bank. It was all gone. All of it was gone. And I was like, oh my God, I had this money and now I don't have this money. I've clearly not managed it very well. And I happened to go to a free seminar. And this free seminar, I learned more in that free seminar than I learned at some that I paid thousands of dollars to go. It was an absolute pitch fest and it was run by a man named T Harvecker and it was called uh, the Millionaire, Millionaire Mind Intensive. I think it was called MMI, Millionaire Mind Intensive. And at this free event, while he onsold all his other programs, which of course I signed up and did all of them, the key principle I took from that was the JAR system. Now, did he invent it? Probably not. I'm sure it's come from various places, but I'm going to attribute him because he's the man that I learned it from. You can also grab his book, Secrets of a Millionaire Mind. He does go through the JAR system in that book. There are a few things that I've learned and I've shifted how I apply it. So I'll share his general framework and then I'll share some of the pivots that I've personally made. The, the idea is very similar to this 50, 30, 20 principle. You get paid a certain amount right? Whether that be a salary, a dividend, or however you're receiving money. And when that money comes in, you're going to divide it up based on percentages. Now, similar to uh, what was shared in the 50-30-20 rule, you're going to take around 50, he calls it 55, you're going to take 55% of your income and that's going to go to necessities. Your necessities are things like your rent, your mortgage, your food, your basically your basic essentials to live. Uh, for me, that includes things like my Private health insurance that includes like gym memberships. That includes whatever I've deemed to be these are but my bare essentials to live, right? My food includes Uber Eats t- budget takeaways. It's got all these things. Now you might be going, Oh my God, I can't put all what I spend is far more than 55% of my income. That's okay. It was for me too when I started. I think when I first did this system, my necessities kept 75, 80% of my income. And you know what I learned again at that same seminar was learning the power of simplifying your life. So you've got two options to ultimately financially become free. And that's what this principle is about. How do you become financially free? you got two options. You increase your income, right? Or you lower your expenses. Because how, you, how do you end up being financially free when your passive income exceeds your expenses? The lower your expenses are, the easier, the less passive income you need in your life. And so I started looking at what was I spending money on? Where could I simplify? What could I shift and change? And I I slowly but surely got that down from my 80% mark. I just still didn't get it to the 55% range, but that's okay. Because while we share the the percentages, the actual amount of the percentages can tweak and change. Just think about the jars. You decide what percentages work for you, but with these as your goal or rule of thumb of where you're aiming for. So 55% of your expenses is, is, is your necessities. Cool. So now you've still got 45% of your money. What do you do with that? Well, the other percentage you want to do is you want to take that to long-term savings for spending. And so you do that with two, uh, five, uh, sorry, two 10% amounts. So you take 10% of your income and that goes to long-term savings for spending. What is long-term saving for spending? It's exactly what it sounds like. It's, you're gonna, it's money you're going to spend. It's a bit like in the 50, 30, 20 principle it's the 20% that they're saying. It's the money that you're saving, buying a new car, the, the wedding. Um, I would argue too, the deposit for a house that you plan to live in that's not an investment property. I personally, this is my view, I personally don't believe buying your own house is an investment. I know many in Australia would disagree with me. I just, I just do not believe that to be an investment. I believe that to be a thing that you live in. And so it's far more of a necessity and a want, not not an investment, because it doesn't put money in your pocket; it takes it out of your pocket. But that's that's how I see it. So to me, like an LTSS would be where I'm saving for a deposit for a house I was going to live in, rather than an investment property. There'd be uh, holidays that I plan on taking, all those types of things would come from my LTSS money. And the key principle of how I manage this is I have two LTSS accounts. Now, these, when I say accounts, I'm talking about separate bank accounts. I have. Every time I ever have to talk to someone at the bank, like a teller, not that I do that very regularly anymore, but if I talk to a teller and they look at my accounts, they'll be like, oh my God, you've got like so many accounts because I do this same kind of jar system in my business. I have a business-based jar, it's different, but I run the business in a very similar fashion. So I've got all these bank accounts. So I've got two LTSS accounts, different amount of percentages going into each of them. That means that if I spend money, like I've been saving, I just bought a robotic vacuum cleaner. That's what I just spent some of my LTSS money on last week. Now, when I did that, it thankfully didn't empty that particular account. But it also, even if it had, if that account had gone back to zero, it would have been very deflating if I'm like, now I've got to start all over again. But I have a second LTSS account, which still has thousands of dollars in it, which is saving for something else. So it's, you kind of got these two accounts constantly building and it allows for you to, to con- always feel motivated. The money never disappears. That's the, that's the principle behind LTSS. Uh, the other account that you want to do is take about 5% of your income and put that to giving, giving. Um, now for, for many people, uh, depending on your religion, you know, you might need to make that a higher percentage if that's part of tithing and things that you do. For me, that's not something I do. I, so giving is really things like gifts, gifts for family, friends, uh, partners. It's my money for uh, contributing to charities. It's my money for, um, you know, giving to homeless. It's various things. That's what my giving account is there. It means every year at Christmas, I'm not going, oh my God, I don't have money. I go, oh, that's how much money I have put aside, ready to buy a Christmas gifts for everyone. I can go crazy or I've been a bit too crazy this year. So I'm going to have to rein in a bit. It's a really simple way to manage my money. Uh, The other really important account that i think is missing is the play account now this is in the this is in the jar system you've got the play account now again this is 10 percent of your income this money is money that you have to spend you have to blow it you cannot let it accumulate for more than three months no more than three months if their money has been building up to three months and you haven't spent it then you need to go and go crazy and blow this money why because This is how you make sure that even if you've reduced your expenses, that you don't feel constrained, like you can't buy that nice bottle of wine or you can't go to that nice restaurant or you can't go to the movies. You know, and so over the years, especially when my income was very low, my play account was effectively my money to catch up with friends because I didn't have any budget for that in my necessities. There was no there was no room in my necessities to pay for going out and meeting up with friends. So my entire going out with friends, buying takeaway, all of that in those early days was only coming from my play account. But that still made me feel comfortable that there was money that I could spend to just live, to enjoy life, to have fun, to feel rich, to feel like I have money. That's the, that's the whole point of the play account to make you feel like you have money. Another important account is to have uh, 10% of your income go to education, especially your financial education. I would encourage you as business owners, though, this is something where if you're going to business courses, you're probably better off spending that kind of money inside your business than out of your personal education fund. So for me, I've actually lowered my education percentage. So the education money that I get on a personal basis, that's gone to things like I did dance lessons, I've done singing lessons, those kinds of things. There's ways that I'm growing and I'm learning new skills, but they're not being relevant to me learning how to manage my money or how to build my business because those are just smarter um, expenses inside the business rather than from my own personal after-tax money. Uh, And then we've talked about the financial freedom. That's 10% of your income or more. There's more, the bigger you can make that percentage, the better, but this is on top of your superannuation. This is not including whatever you're getting in super, you know, the nine and a half or whatever percentage it is at the time you listen to this, it's 10% of your after-tax money. You're putting that away into an account. I recommend in another bank, that you don't see every day. And this just keeps accumulating. And the whole point of this money is to invest. You cannot ever spend this money. You don't borrow money from the FFA account when you feel like, oh, cash is tight. I need money. You do not touch it. You pretend it doesn't exist. It is the golden goose. It can never be killed. All it does is it lays golden eggs. That might be at first just dividends from a high interest account that it's sitting in. Eventually, you'll start investing that into the share market. And that might pay you dividends or you'll sell that and you'll come. So your FFA account is where you save up for a deposit for an investment property. That's where you pay the mortgage of an investment property. That can come from your FFA account, not from your necessities, because that's an investment that's designed to put money back in your pocket. Um, I've experimented with all, all sorts of different investments over the years, and they come from my FFA account from my personal funds. So that's, that's a really important uh, aspect as well. Have I missed any, Pete? we talked about LTSS, we talked about education, we've talked about necessities, uh, we've talked about giving. No, you've done them all. We've talked about the FFA, perfect.
0: I think, I think the important thing in the jazz system that I really like is that there's a couple of things that work really well about it. One is that you're putting money away in the Freedom Fund and for me, when I learned about the Freedom Fund, that was a shift for me. Oh, this is money that I don't touch. This is money that I can't dip into when things are bad or even on a rainy day. I just don't touch it. And as I was building that up, I, you know, I even got to the point of asking myself, well, you know, what qualifies as spending from the freedom fund? Can I buy shares with the freedom fund? For example, you know, what if that's a poor investment and I lose money? Well, then I've, I've wasted money from the freedom fund. And I think at the time when I asked you that question, you said, well, if those shares earn dividends, then, then yes. Uh, otherwise, if it's speculative, then then maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. It's important to make your own rules with these though, I think, find what works for you. But as an example, investing in investment property, you know, putting aside a deposit that you'll then invest into investment property, well, that would make sense from the Freedom Fund because that's the money that's gonna go to work for you and it's gonna come back. And I think the game here is, as your income increases, attempting not to have your necessities increase, your rent, your day-to-day expenses, kids' expenses, or whatever else comes into the necessities. And then as your income increases, if you can actually reduce that over time, then it means you've got more cash available for the other jars. And so that's what I've really been focusing on over the last few years is uh, optimizing so that I can continue to reduce the living expenses. And then over time, what's going to grow is my ability to put more cash into the Freedom Fund. So that freedom fund is really important. The other thing that's really important is I love the symbiosis between the two spending funds. I've actually just used one spending fund, um, but I actually find it really challenging to spend from it. (laughs) What I found was as I built up cash in that savings, and I called it savings, I, I think I mistakenly didn't call it savings to spend, but I just called it savings and I would save money in there and then, after I had five or 10 grand sitting in there, I'd get worried and I'd think, oh, what am I going to do with all this money? And I'd end up actually moving it into the into the freedom
1: fund. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. That's good. That, there's it, nothing, there's nothing wrong on, with that at on all. freedom is amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I'd, what I would do sometimes is I'd find a way, you know, I'd want, you know, a new bike or, or, you know, maybe it was a new computer or a new camera or something like that. And then I'd find a way to make it tax deductible. So I'd find a way to actually spend the money uh, in the business rather than spending it in my personal name. So what I would end up doing is I would actually move that cash into the Freedom Fund and then spend the money on the thing that I wanted to, which is kind of double spending uh, from the business. But then what happens? It's not
1: double spending if you're investing the money in the in the FFA, so that's that's no problem. Your Freedom Fund, yeah. I I think it's still
0: good use of cash. It's not like I'm going and blowing it or anything like that. Um, But I've actually simplified mine. Uh, I've actually simplified mine a lot. So I've still obviously got the Freedom Fund and so that's set up separate uh, you know, separate to, um, to the other accounts that I've got set up and it's basically one that I don't touch. If you're a person who has the tendency to dip into accounts like that and you've got a bit of work to do on your self-control, well then set it up with a different bank. Set it up on one of those banks where it's a real pain in the butt to get your money back out and it takes ages where you can just send it and, and then just you know not think about it. Or maybe make regular payments just, you know, straight into an index fund or something like that. So the money's just out of sight, out of mind. But the other accounts that I've got is the giving account, which I really love because that's money that I have to spend on friends, family, gifts. Um, you know, fun, fun shared experiences with friends where I pay. I love doing that. The other one is the, what's the last one is the fun. Oh yeah. The fun fund or the blow fund or the play fund. And that's stuff that I want to do to, uh, you know, might be skydiving or taking a helicopter ride uh, or going scuba diving, you know, just doing something fun that's memorable, but making sure that I go and spend that. But what I've found is over time, as I've actually worked on the ratios, um, I just did some calculations as you were sharing a bit of your story, Carl, and I've actually found that I've got my spending on my uh, day-to-day expenses down quite a lot, and I've actually increased the spending to my freedom fund. Um, so I had a look at the, the expenses that I'm actually spending is, um, I'm spending 5% on play, 5% on, uh, save to spend and 5% on my giving fund. And the remainder is actually split 50 50 between living expenses and my freedom fund. And so because over time my income has increased, but I've kept my living expenses really low, what I've been able to do is basically just increase more and more and more and more and more going over to the freedom fund um because you know I don't need to get you know out of control with how much I'm you know spending on the blowing fund every month but that's where I've been able to really grow things which has been great and it feels really good it feels really good to be able to have um income and wealth generation happening pretty much on autopilot because all of these you know, movements of cash just happen automatically. And so obviously, to make the system work, you need a couple of extra bank accounts set up. There's some banks you can go to which don't require additional fees for additional savings accounts that are just managed online. And so I use one of those bank accounts. And then I just set up automated transactions so that all of the money just kind of flows automatically. And what I like about that is it means that I'm really, really in touch with the way that the cash is moving around in my personal life. Obviously, you can uh, apply this to your business life as well. Uh, but Carl, I think the biggest takeaway for those that you know may not have thought about using a system like this for themselves is making sure that you have a place where your money can go, where it can start working for you. Because eventually that money is just going to grow by itself. That freedom fund continues to grow by itself. And when it starts growing by itself, well, then you can actually measure that against you know your income and the other areas of your life. And it starts getting really exciting just to watch that grow and uh, become its own thing,
1: building your wealth for you I think that the, you know effectively the the essential part is yes, have that separate account that you do not touch, Never mm-hmm. kill the golden goose, do whatever you like with the eggs, but reinvesting them is a smart way, use that to feed the, the goose, but building up that golden goose, the goal is to have as bigger percentage going to that as possible, obviously, but I really want to stress that if you because know, I know that people listening to this are at various stages of the spectrum of their financial journey, their business journey. And, you know, if you've got lots of cash, you know, go and increase that percentage to your FFA as much as possible, your freedom fund. But if you're in more of a, things are tight for me right now, like don't go, oh, this is something I'll do when I've got more cash. No, no, no. Even if it means that 99% of your income right now is going to your necessities and you just transfer automatically $1, just $1, to your LTSSs, so your long-term savings for spendings, you're sending off a dollar to your giving account, you're sending off a dollar to your FFA every week or every paycheck, whenever that may be for you, just... It can it can be as little as a dollar just get into the habit of having that money automatically transferring i get paid on a monday and then on tuesday all the automated transfers go out now i also want to share a tip too because some of you might be in a similar situation as me where you share you have a shared bank account with your your partner mm. the money all comes into one bank account and then you and then you're like well how do we do that like if you're if you're just a solopreneur you're solo in in how you manage your money the JAR system, as we just explained it, makes perfect sense. But what do you do if you, you kind of mix your money together with your partner? So the way that I go about doing that is I've got a joint account that the incomes come into the joint account. From the joint account, we then have effectively what we pay ourselves the exact same amount as a, um, how would you describe it? Like a pocket money, I guess, in a way, like it, it's a separate personal income and then the rest Goes and so you can do the same thing. You can do shared jars as a as a couple, uh, and then you also do your own individual jars with the individual income that you pay yourself separately. So that's the other way that you can do it. Is you bring your money into the combined account, from there you take a small out amount out, a certain percentage out to individually be able to be your own separate money and then you can have your jars system or it could be just necessities and you can have as many shared jars or as little as you like. That's a very individual situation. So I won't necessarily say here's how to do it. Cause I've heard many people do it very differently, but it's the key part is shared account separate about to each and a certain amount that might be shared. It might be just one account that's shared, might be multiple accounts that are shared. So that's kind of the, 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 the tip there for, for that. The other tip that I would share with you is it can be really hard when you're budgeting. To especially with something when you're using these percentage-based budgeting, it can be really easy to go. Oh, look! I've got all this money in my set necessities account. This week, I'm going to go a bit crazy and spend double my normal grocery budget because you haven't realised that your electricity bill's due next month, or that you know your car insurance that you pay once a year is due next month. And that's why the there's so much more money in that account than normal because that's what's happened. So what I found to manage that process better is I created a separate account again which I called my utilities or you know long term spendings and so that means every week I would take a small amount out if I knew that quarterly and I know around Australia and around the world whether you pay your electricity you know weekly uh, sorry monthly or quarterly is is different but when, let's say it was a quarterly bill that you pay you would know that it's on average x amount figure out what that is per week or per paycheck and just take that little bit amount over into this other account so when that annual or quarterly bill comes in you're not scrambling going oh my god i've spent the money you know as many business owners do when tax time comes up oh my god i've spent the the gst or i have spent the tax that i wasn't supposed to spend you do the same thing as you would in your business or i'd recommend you do in your business you put that money aside constantly so when that comes in the cash is there it's ready to go and you just go cool here's the bill that came in ready to go car servicing you pay that maybe once a year depending on on i know i do so it's like, I already know what that is. Weekly, put that away. Time for a car service. The money's there. Uh, that's that's another little hint that I would share that's really made this budgeting process super easy to manage. The more, the more automatic you make it, money comes in, money goes out. You just don't have to think. You just go, oh, I've got a certain amount of money in the bank. That's what I can spend. And it's very easy to start keeping yourself constrained in in those ways. So uh, they're my tips to to implement this system. And you will not, Stay poor if you're building that financial freedom fund.
0: I love it. Uh, So good to share all of these tips, Carl, and to the listener. If this is something that interests you, uh, please go ahead and drop a comment below anywhere you're watching or listening to this. We would love to know what strategies you have for managing your money and your wealth creation. And we'll, of course, have included in the show notes a link to the JAR system from Tihar Becker so you can get access to that and go ahead and get it set up for yourself so head along to our website rising.show you get access to all the show notes as well as the recording and share links for this episode if you love this episode we would love you to leave us a rating with an honest review of our show and what you think just jump on to your favorite podcasting service and leave us a review we would appreciate that very much uh, but carl thanks so much for sharing this i uh, really. Love sharing this kind of stuff. And I know you do as well. This has been
1: another good one. I just want to say to the listener, please, if you do nothing else, set up an FFA account, financial freedom account, and tell us how it goes. I want to hear from you six months from now, a year from now. We both want to hear from you. Uh, if listening to this show changed something, share it with us. We'd love to know that that's made an impact in your life. Thank you for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure.
0: Thank you.